entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Turn the music up, turn me down. Google. Let's go get him again. This time is for the money, my nigga. Brooklyn, stand up. Never been a nigga this good, but it's long, this hood, or this pop, this hot. Yeah, we'll start the show saying, ha ha, yeah. We'll start the show saying, something quirky. But I don't even know how I'm feeling today because it's just like there's so many demons that I'm battling. Gary Payton Jr. ruined one of my bets. Needed seven points. He had four. I just don't understand what's going on. Then I got to double back and watch. I got to double back and watch the, the, the Lakers playing the Sixers and yet another bad loss so it's like ha ha yeah my ass yo i'm i'm not going to come on here today and be like you know i see some positives in the lakers loss you know anthony davis played well first second game back da, da, da. but it's just like i'm not what kids say it's good but it's not enough yo now i get it lebron ain't play but it's like, bro, you playing against the, to my, to my knowledge, the MVP of the NBA and Joel Embiid, and it's just like, you want to take a day off? All right, cool. Like maybe you setting up a trade to leave after the end of the season. You want to go to Philly? Who knows? But what I do fucking know is I'm so out on the Lakers roster right now that it's not even fucking funny. It's come to us having to sign Stanley Johnson, who hasn't played basketball in fucking Lord knows how long, to even be a second or third best player for us right now, and I'm done. Yeah. I'm over it. But how was your fucking day? <laughs> well, that was a lot. I mean, I feel I woke up this morning with, you know, the MVP – in my, you know, in my backyard and, you know, with a big win over the, over the Lakers. I mean, I wouldn't even count as a big win. You know, I feel like the NBA tried to prop it up as a big game, but it wasn't really a big game because what the Lakers are the eighth seed in the West and, you know, we're the sixth seed, but there's, you know, a few games really in between us and that number one slot. So it's just like, I don't know, man, you know, I kind of expected us to go and, you know, we're at the crib and handle our business. And we did. Uh, there was a weird situation with Melo, which I thought was weird. Um, but other than that, you know, I'm, I'm feeling good. I don't appreciate the snow that's outside. I'll tell you that right now. I think that might have been what really, like, <clears throat> pushed me over the edge this morning. Because, like, I woke up, you mean, check my Fanduel app. I'm like, yo, last I recall, everybody on my bet slip for 4600 was tripping. We hit bets this weekend, though, bro. It's about the bet now, yo. 4,600 right now, yo, would have been a thing. And then I got to, I open my blinds and shit, little shades and shit on the windows. They told me it was finna snow later today, not now. And I just feel like that's just like, that's just symbolic of what's going on right now. One person telling us one thing and then the other thing just happening and they just doing it whenever they feel like doing it. Like, if it was up to me, I would have liked to see Melo grab Bull and shake him up. Like, you can't call people boy. 
as a white man, that's almost as equivalent as like you walking past a black guy and you pat him on his head. No, no, no. Those small racial subsets are a thing that apparently the, the country still doesn't want to acknowledge or address because I saw responses to the videos and stuff was like, oh, well, what's wrong with that? He just called him a boy, blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, this is continuing to be where we are in the world. But in the sports world, it's just like, you know, wrist, watch, repeat. Joel Embiid dominates another game. And they win the game. And then Anthony Davis comes back and he does his thing. Good to see him that he played well. Good to see that he broke 30. He almost broke his hand. He's really fragile as hell. You sneeze too hard, you're going to break a rib off or something. And it's just like, I don't know what to think about this Lakers team because I get it. They haven't played together often. The full complement of assets from Kendrick Nunn and I mean, Avery Bradley's finally back playing. He's been back for a minute, but like, is he back? Like, Trevor Reese is 90. I just don't understand the fit of the roster. And on the other side, we're watching the MVP of the NBA do what he's doing for almost 16, 15, 16 games now, scoring at least 25, doing all types of wild shit. And then I'm getting little birdies in my ear. I'm jumping on Twitter. I'm seeing you discuss ridiculous concepts with people about how Nikola Jokic is better than Joel Embiid and he's the MVP because he had a 49-point triple-double on the same night that Embiid had fucking 50 in 31 minutes. Things that we don't see often. And I don't know, like, I'm pretty sure I know how you feel about it, but it's just like, like, like Kiss said, it's good, but it's not enough. That might be a theme today. Like, yeah, you know, 20 and 20 game. That's great. We don't see a lot of those things. But at the same time, it's like, you got to put aside your Philly biases, your Philly hate, your, your, your hate for the city. And just acknowledge and call a spade a spade. To get 50 and 30 some odd minutes is nuts. To average 40 over, over four or five games as a center is nuts. And I get the PER, the advanced metrics and all that shit. People who are gentrifying the sport to find a leg to talk on when we're discussing the sport. But it's like, I don't care about true shooting percentages. I don't care about PR. I don't care about VROP. I don't care about LAPD. I don't care about NCAIS. I don't give a fuck about none of that. We're watching the most skilled center in the NBA since Lord knows when. And until people are, until people are ready to acknowledge and accept that, we're going to have to base like, oh, well, can he pass like Nikola Jokic? Well, like, can, can Nikola Jokic defend like Joel Embiid? Can he dominate on all three levels like Joel Embiid? I mean, but what did he do last night? Didn't he show his passing abilities last night? I mean, it was just really magical the way that he was able to decipher through the double teams last night because they double teamed him off rip. And then they tried to switch it up by waiting until he dribbled the ball and put the ball on the floor to then double team. And he was still catching assists. He, the man almost had a triple-double. Like, he's giving y'all what y'all asking for. No, he's not. You got to think, though, that everyone wants him to – when it comes to big man passing, it's like, oh, well, like, 
I feel like people make the benchmark. It has to be eight assists or nine assists for it to be a good passing game. And it's just like, y'all only saying that because that's the only thing that you can stand on when discussing Joel Embiid versus Nicole Jokic. Because you don't have to get 34, 15, and nine assists to dominate a game. Right. I mean, I agree with that. Like, Joel Embiid finished with what he finished with, but it's just like, why Why am I getting hit up? Like, oh, Joel Embiid didn't do that well. Like, Jokic would have did this against them. It's like, how do you know such a thing? Like, what's the difference between seven and eight assists? Like, I mean, I just, just feel like the man why had seven assists. I mean, he had seven assists. Like, the seven of them things. And nine boards. He had nine boards. The only real difference is like, AD had one assist. Like, 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 we're gonna compare like two top tier big men in the league. Probably two of the best. Probably you know fighting for it. You know, two of the three. Okay. Yeah. One had one. Two of, four. We'll give Cat his love. Two of the four. Right. Whatever. Don't do I that. Mean, I'm just I saying. Know. Whatever. He's from, he's from Jersey. I know. I get it. He's, that's why he's but, fourth. Keep going. <laughs> but yeah. one had one. And the other had seven, like, like there's just different tiers is what I'm saying. I think that's what people have got to understand. Like, nobody's trying to diminish anybody's talent when you say one's better than the other. But there's, we like, we can't deny the fact that there are better players than, like, there's a difference between the players and then there's different tiers. Like, we just have to come to the grips with that. Like, that's okay. Like, that's fine. It's okay to say, you know, I personally like Jokic better because he's a passer or they run the offense directly through him. Okay, fine, cool. Tell me that. But your next sentence has to be, but I also understand that Joel Embiid is a better overall basketball player in totality. It's the same thing we see every time we wake up, every now and again. You know, LeBron is three, maybe two, well, probably still three because he didn't play last night. But he's about three games away from becoming the all-time leading scorer in the NBA which to me puts the final nail in the coffin, even though the shit's already pristine, buffed out, got all types of flowers and shit on it. But that, that whole like LeBron Jordan debate thing, like the nostalgia of Jordan is something that we all understand. Godfather of the sport, we get it. But totality of a basketball player, it is okay to say that somebody is better than your God or your favorite guy. It's okay. Because if I can... If I'm going to end up being the all-time leading scorer, the only guy with eight, 9,000 assists, the only guy with eight, 9,000 rebounds, then it's almost like, look, man, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do as a basketball player, putting my, my, my claim to fame as the greatest of all time. Like, it's okay to do that. So when we see Joel Embiid doing what he's doing, we see Jokic doing what he's doing, we get that Jokic is doing something incredible. But a large part of that and why people, I feel like, gravitate towards him is because he's not your traditional, explosive, above-the-rim, super athletic, super strong center. You know, he's shades of Vlade, shades of Arvita Sabonis, shades of the new age big in a Euro body. It's okay. He's a very talented guy. <laughs> but they, the well guy is doing some wild shit. You saw the videos just like I saw the videos. We don't see him coming down and hitting sky hooks or 
dream shakes. We see him coming down, dream shaking into Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan fades. The different level of talent. And this like man is pushing the floor as well. Like, I, I mean, for those of you out there that is, were saying that he can't bring the ball up the floor, I just, I hope you were watching the game last night and saw him on several occasions bringing the ball up like a fucking guard. It's just like, I get the whole, like, I get why people like Jokic. He's very, very, very good. I agree. I would never say that he's not good. I would never say Same. that he's not talented. If Joel Embiid wasn't in the NBA, to me, Jokic would be the clear-cut head, shoulders, knees, and toes best center in the NBA. Not even close. I probably would be walking around saying, oh, he's one of those guys. But when you have that, that seven-foot guy that's three-level scoring and doing all types of different stuff and the skill level in which you see it, like not the box scores that everyone loves to just watch. We're talking about the actual game, like, because if you were looking at the box scores last night, you would have thought AD had the better game. Exactly. When MB controlled the game, dictated the game, dictated the pace, dictated everything that you would want your best player to do, you have to acknowledge that. That's stuff that doesn't come up in the stat sheets. That's not the, there's not a category next to points, rebounds, assists, and push of tempo, pace of tempo. <laughs> like, that's not a thing. So, like, I feel like a lot of people... You know, not even in Denver can you just sit and watch a Nikola Jokic game. They don't even really show those games over there. So a lot of Jokic hype, not even hype because it's warranted, but a lot of Jokic love is warranted off of just simply seeing the box scores and a couple of highlights, which is I fine. Mean, they want to prop him up too, which is understandable. Fine, I get it. You have to do that. But when we're talking about just skill level and talent level and being able to do things that we have not seen. We have seen centers that can pass the ball. We have seen centers that can grab the ball and go coast to coast and do, do certain things at certain times. I don't know if we've ever seen a, a center with that type of guard ability that Joel Embiid has. And that's what I'm saying, man, because, it, I mean, even if you, like, nobody's trying to downplay AD either because AD is a special talent. I mean, the only thing Bubble that's AD, really Bubble AD is now in that, in that pantheon of, Untuck Kyrie, Hoodie mm -hmm. Mella, mm -hmm. Mask Kobe, all like those things that we call, you know, like certain things for certain players. Like, yo, when he go like that, it's a problem. It's okay. That's thing. Yes. That's the thing. But that's the thing. Like, we held, especially, it, it, and we look back, what, the past five years, right? We were all talking about, yo, AD, the best big in the league, AD, but the, you know, AD's taking over, AD's could be the best player in the league. Like that's his potential. That's where he could reach. And you see him have a great night last night, which he did. Like, I'm not going to say he didn't have a great night. He had a great night last night, but you saw AD couldn't do nothing with Joel Embiid, bro. Like nothing. Like if he touches, like you just talk about Joel Embiid getting in, in the paint and getting paint touches. Once he's in the paint, there's nothing you can do. There's no stopping him. And, like, that's the crazy part. Like, you let Nikolai Jokic, you know, you let him get into the paint, you could stop him. Like, he's stoppable. AD could stop Nikolai Jokic in the paint. He's not doing that with Embiid. He's, he, he's good, but it ain't enough. It ain't enough. It's, it's really just not enough because at the end of the day, like, we're talking about three – 
legendary bigs in our current game that we're watching. No, facts. So we're not sliding any of them, but you got to keep it a bean. You got. I love how you left out. I love how you left out Cat this time. I just saying, I love that. Appreciate you for that one. Well, I actually also left him out because, like, even though he had a pretty solid game last night, like they also ruined a bet for me. So it's just like I can't give you that. <laughs> I'm feeling away. Like, and, and, and to a lesser extent, Cat is one of those players who has a unique skill set that we don't see in a big man as well. His whole problem is. One, he's in Minnesota. Two, he has kind of this weird thing going on. He has, you know, imaginary friend named Carlito with him. On I love Cat to death, man. You know, I like to see that. I like to see him. Pl- I used to love watching him versus Embiid early on because they, those were the two. Yeah, yeah, they used to go at it. You know, that Jokic wasn't really Jokic at that point. They were still trying to figure out, is it Jokic, is it Nurkic? We didn't know which one was which, but, you know, that's <laughs> for another day. I, I just – I don't see why everyone is so easy to give Jokic's love and Anthony Davis's love, but always, yeah, but Joel Embiid. And I, I think it's more so because of the injury – history of Joel Embiid and not being able to stay healthy and then I mean all the trolling that that he did in the beginning of his career I don't you know people don't like that you know people don't like when you're confident dominating playing well and then you talk shit like nobody likes the shit talker that's fair but my whole thing it always this is the point that always kills me yeah but Jokic got an MVP okay so does Russell Westbrook Jokic got swept as an MVP. Oh, well, he didn't have Jamal Murray and these other niggas didn't play. And what do you expect him to do? He's going against these guys. And I'm like, hold on a second. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Mr. Wiggle. So when everyone got hurt <laughs> in the middle of the season and he kept the Nuggets afloat and they were playing all types of good basketball and he's getting 32 and 12s and 12s and 35s and 14s and 15s and all that type of shit. Y'all wasn't telling me he needed help. Y'all was telling me this is why he's the MVP. He's elevating his players. He's elevating his team. He's doing all this stuff. He's hard to guard. They're running the offense through him. All that shit happens. But then all of a sudden when they lose and get swept out of the playoffs, it's the man needs more help. You can't have it both ways. It's either you mm. create it a situation where you are single-handedly propping your team up to succeed and excel, or you're an extremely talented player, and we have to acknowledge the caveat that you might not be able to super affect the game in the way that you want because your players are not healthy. It cannot be a mix-up of both. It has to be one or the other because it sounds good when he's the MVP at the regular season, but then the MVP gets swept out of the playoffs. We haven't seen that since Dirk. But the difference is Dirk was dominating things. He went back. He got a finals. He won the finals. He did a whole bunch of shit. Now, maybe Jokic ends up getting to the finals one year. Who knows? I doubt it. I don't know. But you just can't have it both ways, man. And you can't tell me that I'm better, X player is better than Y player simply because of an MVP, especially when the MVP largely over the last, I almost want to say 10 years, is a narrative-based award more so than who's having the best overall season. Like, Russell Westbrook won MVP as a six seed because he averaged a triple-double. That's the narrative. He proceeded to do it four years later. 
not even in consideration. So that narrative's dead. Giannis and them win 60 games, dominating all types of advanced stats, get MVP. Okay, cool. He comes back and has a better year the next year, doesn't get MVP. Steph Curry, unanimous MVP. We are obviously known why he got the MVP. He broke a record that we've never seen with Bree broken. All right, cool. And then James Harden wins an MVP. And then Steph Curry wins another MVP. And then all these people are winning MVPs when other seasons are arguably better. So let's pump, like, it, it, the award still matters. I'm not going to say MVP doesn't matter because it does. But you have to acknowledge the narrative based around that specific season. Jokic played all 82 games. He got the MVP. That was the knock because, to me, that says we're going to give Jokic the MVP because he played all, eight, all 82 because Joel Embiid didn't play all 82. Because if Joel Embiid plays all 82 games, odds are he should have won the MVP last year. Hello. And he's having a better season this year than he did last year. So I think we're both in agreement that he probably is the MVP right now. Steph Curry's in a bit of a slump. Kevin Durant's hurt. Giannis is still floating around, but, you know, I don't know if the narrative or the performance is that good because they just got cracked down by Cleveland. Who? We ain't going to trip. <laughs> They're hooping. <laughs> Darius Garland. <laughs> Needs his respect. I'm watching, I'm seeing some highlights. I'm watching some games for the cash randomly on, you know, league pass and shit like that. And I'm like, well, damn. I ain't going to say that he should have been number one, but I could see the case that a lot of people are trying to make for Evan Mobley being a number one player in the draft. I can see that. I'm not to say that K's not doing his thing. It's K's doing his thing. He might be the next big body change of place, change of pace uh, point guard. But since we're in the East, we're discussing the East. You have been on this weird kick and i don't oh. know if i like it. i mean i don't know if it's weird but no it's extremely weird it's not weird it's even more weird now given what we know about what's going on in the nba than it was probably probably maybe uh 48 hours so um, i mean he's been hurt so I, I, so sorry i guess do you want a uh a, a cookie do you want a hospital bed i don't i don't I mean, I think he would enjoy both of those things. I don't think he would turn either one of those down. So, does he want beignet? I mean, that seems I mean, to be the team sponsor. He may want some mushu. I don't know. Some mushu, some mushu. But my thing is, we've been trying. Like, so there was a post on Instagram and Twitter and all that a couple a couple weeks ago. It might have been a month ago. I feel like it's been popping up. Definitely for a like a month. Demar Derozan, Zach Levine. I believe Jalen Brown might have been in that mix and Brandon Ingram. Yeah. And for some odd and strange reason, unbecoming to me, you, Mr. Trice, said confidently, with conviction, certainty, all those things that lead someone to believe, you know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> a straight straight face yeah i've seen it through the social media when you speak i know your face was straight oh well brandon ingram's the best player in this picture huh i did not say that see now i knew you was gonna misquote me i knew you was gonna do this i knew uh, you was gonna do it. i uh, literally put zach levine in front of him 
Um, did you? I did. And then what did you do? And then I put Brandon in Ingram. And then oh, DeMar DeRozan. Lord. Wait, wait. And so then, who was third? I think DeMar DeRozan was third. I don't think – I think it was just three. I think it was just three because I don't think Jalen Brown was on there. I think it was just three. Okay, but if he was, Jalen Brown would have been above Brandon Ingram. But keep going. You said – so you had – DeMar DeRozan at three, which means Brandon Ingram would have been at two. And I'm uh, I'm very confused by this. I don't know why. I don't know. I mean, you of all people should fully understand Brandon Ingram and how good of a player he is. You're probably sulking about, you know, if you would have had a guy like Brandon Ingram on your team right now, how drastically the Lakers, uh, how drastically different the Lakers would look. If you had a guy like Brandon Ingram on your team. If I had to pick any of the young Lakers to bring back, it would be D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson. It wouldn't be Brandon Ingram and it wouldn't be Julius Randle. I mean, that's fair because Jordan Clarkson's balling. And I mean, I guess I get the D'Lo. I mean, I like D'Lo, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I think Brandon Ingram would give you more, but whatever. I just don't know because I'm also assuming that LeBron is still on the team and unless they're going to do what they did when he was on the Lakers, which was to me the best basketball he played, even though he went to New Orleans and started becoming, you know, borderline all-star, most improved player, all that type of shit. My whole thing is you're not allowed to get the most improved player if you are a top five, top seven lottery pick in the NBA. Because that, to me, says that you came into the NBA, you didn't live up to your early lottery hype, and then all of a sudden you got change of place, more opportunity, but I don't, I don't know about that, Yates, because you got to look at a guy like Malik Monk who goes to a situation that's, that's not they, – they didn't grow his game in Charlotte. It was, it was, it was a rough step for him. He, he, he was he, – they, those guys have no control over where they go. I don't think that you can't receive most improved player if you're a lotto pick because you could go to a city like Charlotte who has, you know, rapid turnover in coaching, um, doesn't have any good stability – and it's hard to grow your game in places like that. Places like Detroit; those are harder places to grow your game. If you, it's not like you're going to a Lakers or a or a Boston Celtics or something like that. Obviously, it's different. He was dealing with Kobe transition. That was a wild time for the Lakers. Okay, it wasn't a stable environment. It wasn't the Lakers that we know. The Lakers that we know are dead and going. Oh, the the organization is not really doing what they're supposed to do. That's a different conversation. But when I hear the words most improved player, I think of guys like Paul George when he won most improved player. Okay. You know, his season before versus his season when he won it, there was an extreme jump in numbers across the board. And by extreme, I'm not saying, you know, five, six points. To a lesser extent, Devontae Graham should have got most improved one year. Yeah. Went from average about that. four, six points to like 15, 16, 18-ish. To me, that is most improved. Because if you're a lottery pick, in my mind, at some point in time, the talent is going to catch up to your situation. Mm-hmm. So I can't necessarily say that you are the most improved player in the NBA because being drafted as a lottery pick means that you have that type of talent to begin with. Not to say that Brandon Ingram wasn't deserving of it, but I would have rather seen somebody who's not 
painted as a top talent in their respective draft from a lottery standpoint, I would have liked to see that go to someone who is maybe a second round pick. Like say Fred Van Fleet gets most improved one year. I understand that because he wasn't a on the radar guy. Right. Brandon Ingles was on the radar since he came into the NBA. He was at Duke. People were like, yo, he's great value KD, blah, blah, blah. He has talent. To me, his best basketball was played when he was on the Lakers and they let him run the point. It was an interesting thing to see because of his size, because of how he plays. But I think a lot of it had to do with him not necessarily finding himself yet, not knowing where his shots and stuff were coming from. You fast forward to now, he's way more aggressive. It doesn't look like he's stronger, but he is. And he kind of understand. I feel like the game has finally slowed down for him. I'm going to give him a little bit of a caveat because of the blood clots and all that stuff. Yeah. That's a very, very serious thing. It was a point in time where they didn't know if he was going to play. But I just don't – I can't put him over Levine or DeRozan. I just said pers- – I, I just I, – I, I don't know. I just said I think he would be over DeRozan. I mean – I mean, I just think he's an upcoming player. I mean, I, we know who DeRozan is. He's been in this league for a while. Like, you know, do, he we, is what it, do we know who DeRozan is? Because we were, yeah. sitting, we were sitting right in this same very area. Once upon a time, it was summer. It was nice. It was warm out. We was going to beaches and wineries and all types of cute fly shit in corny ass Connecticut. And then something happened. <laughs> the Olympics came around. We were sitting there watching shit. And I said, yo, man, Zach Levine going to benefit a lot from this. Right. Fast forward a couple weeks. Oh, shit. DeMar DeRozan going to go to the Lakers. Oh, Lord. You know me. I'm hype. Let's get it. Let's bring him on. Uh, We end up fucking bringing in Russell fucking Westbrook. Blew our whole shit up. Now I'm tight. But that meant that DeMar DeRozan ended up in Chicago. It was a random game we saw. DeRozan gets a rebound, comes down. Not even necessary fast break, just in transition. And he just pulls up a three. Now, people who watch basketball a lot know DeMar DeRozan isn't really your, you're not going to look at him and be like, oh, he's going to shoot two, three, four threes tonight and make almost all of them. That's just not his thing. He was averaging 24, 25 at one point in time. Off of largely twos and and ones and dunks and shit like that. He never really had the three-point shot. So I don't know if we know or knew what DeMar DeRozan was until now. Because now he's added another facet to his game. Now, granted, he's not Steph Curry from three. Shit, he's not even Buddy Heald from three. But he's, he's not even Brandon Ingram from three. Is Brandon Ingram from three? Okay. <laughs> I just don't know if he is from three, you know, percentages or whatever, but just the way that he plays the game, he's now added something to his skill set, to his toolbox. And he's an all-star again, all-star starter. I'm not going to be the corny guy. I'm like, well, Brent Ingram's an all-star, so that's that, that's open and shut case because it's not. Andrew Wiggins is an all-star starter and that's he because be there. But you know why, though. Yeah. Do you he has been playing? He's been playing well with Steph. Like he's elevated his game. Do you remember when Kawhi Leonard injured his ankle 
against the Warriors when he was on the Spurs. Yeah. Do you remember the player that hurt his ankle? Zaza Pachulia. Do you remember that at one point in time during like the second or third returns for ballot voting for the All-Star game, that he was a all-star starter in that voting sets in that voting stance right there. Zaza Pachulia? Yeah, he was. And that's wild. <laughs> it, caused, it caused a lot of problems because one, he's from Georgia, not at not America's Georgia, like mm-hmm. over the waters. So you take that into account, and then the ridiculous fan base that is the Warriors. And that's where you get a lot of votes from. Mm-hmm. That's where Andrew Wiggins got that from. Because I am not going to say that he doesn't deserve to be an all-star starter. He's finally it's come full circle. He's another player who was a very high draft pick who took a very long time to come into his own, just like your guy Brandon Ingram. I mean, I think it looked it took a little shorter time for Brandon Ingram to find his way in this league than Andrew Did Wiggins. It. Did uh it. yeah. It, it probably uh, because his fourth year in the league, this man Brandon Ingram was averaging twenty three points. So that's fine. It's probably true. Andrew, I don't think Andrew Wiggins was doing that his fourth year. So what was Demar Derozan doing his fourth year? I mean, he was. I mean, Demar Derozan came into the league and was around. You know, pros. You you heard what he said. He was in the gym every day with the old heads. Well, tell your guy, Brandon, ain't going to get in the fucking gym every day with guys because all he's doing is scoring 23, 24 games in New Orleans, eating beignets and shit and getting a fucking ass crap. I mean, but what do you want from him, bro? He's in New Orleans. They don't have shit down there but beignets. So what are we really talking about? But last year when Zion was playing and he was running that pick and roll and fucking people up and almost making it to the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't remember that when they snuck in, when the NBA forced them into the playoffs and then they was almost, you know, they almost did something. Nah, I remember Zion getting all the love for being the point forward center version of Shaquille O'Neal when doing all that stuff. It wasn't really the Brandon Ingram show at that point in time. He was an ancillary piece because at long last, we finally heard, oh, maybe Zion Williamson is coming into his own. Van Gundy gave him the ball, let him open up the offense. He's now initiating offense. That was oh, so you, you, fell into the, you fell into the narrative. Okay. okay. No, I'm just telling you what happened. If it was, just, I mean, but I saw, I know what I saw. I saw Brandon Ingram taking control. That's what I saw. I saw I Brandon Ingram running that. the offense. That I was the whole thing. It. They was running the pick nah. and roll. It was Zion Williamson running the pick and roll, initiating the offense. You don't remember that? Oh my God, Zion Williamson had 30 on two missed shots. I know. I'm just saying though, he's not getting that without Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram was averaging 23 last year, yo. Yeah, he has a talent to do that, but that doesn't make him better than DeMar DeRozan or Zach Levine. I mean, he's not better than Zach Levine, but he's I'm not, not better saying... than DeMar DeRozan. You average 20 plus on strictly twos for the most of your career. You are a talented basketball player. Absolutely. You open up very hard. a little bit. What he got to a new team, new city, new everything, and the Bulls are fucking tripping out on niggas. <laughs> Maybe Brandon Ingram needs to go to another team. I would. I, I personally would like to That's see what that. I'm saying. I would. I would like to. I, look, I I'm here would, for that. I would like to see that because at the end of the day, he's one of those players who needs to be free. Free him. 
he has to get free. So I guess I guess the only thing left to, to do or say now is like, listen, man, we have some bets to make. Um, Championship Sunday, baby. I don't know how you feel about that. Do you want to make picks? Do you want to give thoughts or do you just want to wait and not jinx it? Are you betting money line this weekend? Because if you are, we can't discuss the picks. I'm betting money line. I'm betting money line. Okay. It worked for me last week. Look, we hit two bets. I mean, I hit two bets last week. Yates hit a few bets last week. I'm kind of, I'm still a little hot. I feel like it may travel into this weekend. Hopefully Yates might've cooled off a little bit, but maybe I could give some to him. We're going to see what happens. Tune in we're next week. We're going to let y'all know. Man, TBD. That'll, TBD. That'll be TBD. <laughs> oh, woo woo. Woo woo woo. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Fuck this.